0: especially as people have been displaced from college campuses and have lost internships and so on, we found a way to hopefully give Gen Zers a sense of connection and community through PRISM.
1: Hi everyone, my name is Ig Okafor and you're listening to How He Does It, a Bond official podcast hosted by myself and my co-host, Marcus Richardson. Today, we're joined by my friend, Larry Milstein, co-founder of Gen Z Consultancy, PRISM, New York socialite and philanthropist, amongst other things. Larry. Hello, IG. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so
0: happy to be here with both of you. Hi.
1: It's it's been so long, um, but before we go into anything that we're talking about today, I just want to commend, you know, how active you've been on your socials about- the political and social climate mm. and uh as i said before before we go into anything yeah. is there anything you'd like to say about the political climate regardless of the presidential 2020 election is there anything you'd like people to remember or mm. keep sure. in
0: thought i mean first of all thank you for saying that i think to be completely honest like to just post about issues that are relevant to you i would say is like the floor not like the ceiling in terms of making a difference and i continue to think about ways i can and probably should be even doing more in terms of really advocating for issues that matter keeping it centered into just the social arena for now and then i'm sure we can go kind of broaden it i think that the social landscape has evolved where i think if you are living through a global pandemic you're observing or participating in overdue calls for racial justice against police brutality all of these things and you're continuing to uh you know publicly you know express yourself in a way that bears no acknowledgement of the circumstances that we're in like that's just I think in I think that's tone deaf and um so I think I think it's it's just been an interesting time to just to kind of self reflect and think about what is your contribution to this discourse? Is it additive or is it a distraction?
1: Absolutely, and obviously, people should be taking that into consideration just moving forward, regardless of whoever wins Mm next month. Yes. Oh my
0: god! I think the election has definitely, I feel like, probably been consuming so so many of our mind shares. it's, it's been an intense one.
1: It's been a while since we've seen you. It's been oh months. God. It's so good to see you. You, you look great. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to
0: say, you can't necessarily tell, but I'm truly smiling right now.
1: Oh my gosh, no. I, I feel like I feel the energy. Also, mm-hmm. I love the colors you're wearing. I think it signifies where you're probably mm-hmm. at in your life right now. <sighs> How the are Jens you adjusting?
0: Are oh, wait, sorry. Go ahead. No worries. How are All you right. adjusting? Um, You know, I think that just thinking about the entire you know past 6 7 months i think each day has been its own you know progress towards adjustments like i think that with every kind of passing day as we kind of adjust to what the next coming year even looks like um it's about kind of reconciling your expectations with what's actually possible um so i'd say like reminding myself of like the fundamentals about like am i healthy is my family healthy um and how can I continue to stay grounded during this period? Like those are kind of, I guess really um, powerful ways to kind of keep me, um, as you would say, like you know, I guess, as best adjusted as we all can be.
2: Yeah, well, with you during yeah. quarantine, yeah um, and the social distancing, yeah. what was it like for you in your household? Yeah. you and your family caring yeah. for one another, but also you caring for yourself?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think definitely a a major adjustment, you know, I was, I was very much used to, you know, prior to Prism, you know, and we can talk more about that. You know, I was used to kind of having my routine, having an independence. And then I think that there's this sense of what does it mean to be co-located with, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously people that you care about and love, but, um, kind of establishing new rules of engagement when it's like, March turns into April turns into the summer turns into you know fall 2020 and so look I feel incredibly fortunate to you know be able to get along with my family and so on and to you know have ample space I recognize that that's not a given um and so um so yeah like I mean even in like the small moments of frustration which I'm sure we all have um just reminding myself that like yeah like I, I really never taking anything for granted
1: were there any specific highlights that happened during the pandemic, or you oh know, my god, so I right think
0: now? I think everyone probably to some degree like wanted to like pick up some sort of new quarantine habit or hobby. For me, mine was learning how to make this traditional Jewish bread called challah, um, and it's basically this like very intricate braided dough bread that you serve on friday nights yeah like it's it's i don't know this is
1: social media trend where everyone was making bread or something So yes it is but was making banana
2: they were making banana bread or like
0: or like sourdough bread this was like the Uh jewish spin this was like me embracing my my heritage and um it was interesting because it's always something i'd wanted to do and i just never had time because on fridays you know i wasn't at work i didn't have time to watch things leaven or grow and so There was something really cathartic about having this discipline and every friday um making this bread learning how to braid it in this like truly almost like i don't even know like (laughs) like Mm -hmm. like age-old way that i it took me many weeks to perfect and then um ending up you know continuing that practice and then making it actually for both of my sister and brother's wedding which which felt like this kind of full circle moment so so i think that was a highlight
1: yeah It's super sweet. So this year, you founded your first company, Prism. Yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about that and why you co-founded it with your partner?
0: Yeah, well, let's start with the timing, which I don't think was, (laughs) which you could (laughs) call impeccable in some ways, but definitely did not imagine, you know, forging, you know, co-founding a company on the eve of a global pandemic. But you know what, in some ways, the timing of it actually Enabled us to do things that I don't think we would have necessarily gotten around to um, if we if there wasn't if circumstances didn't necessitate it. Um, so Prism is a Gen Z consultancy and next gen community. So we work with brands that are trying to target, engage, and better understand Gen Z, which is the generation that follows millennials. And on the other hand, beyond kind of this more marketing consulting work. We have a Gen Z community that's now global. There are 500 members across the world. And it's both this kind of like fun hybrid community space, but also this place where we can actually make recommendations and derive insights based on actual community feedback. It's Mm -hmm. not just me or my co-founder being like, this is what we think, but it's actually backed by our audience and our community.
2: Oh, it's incredible. And you... Or Gen Z. So I'm a cusper. I would You're say a Cusper.
0: I would say spiritually, <laughs> you know, I I feel like so much so let me back up. That's a great okay. question. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the youngest of four. Okay. So that means that like my pop culture references and like my music taste and like all these other random niche things are kind of millennial because I just would try and copy my siblings mm-hmm. even when they tried to exclude me from hanging out with them. On the other hand, things like my technological habits and like my understanding of random things like meme culture or social media, Mm -hmm. like those are things that I would say are so much more further developed than Mm -hmm. my siblings because I had, you know, five to 10 years of being, you know, fully growing up and coming of age in like a digital world while they were kind of still like using dial up and like fax machines like that wasn't me. <laughs> I remember <laughs> the days. Oh my god. Yeah. Mhm. Do talk- you,
2: do you feel like that gives you kind of that dual yeah. experience and perspective that yeah. is has equipped you well to do this? You know
0: what? That's an amazing question. Um because I think that's what in some ways inspired me to feel like this was an opportunity, let's say come October 2019 that I really shouldn't let go because I had previously been working at American Express doing consulting work and some of and one of my side projects was to lead this Gen Z co- conversation when it was at a time that literally um no one was thinking about Gen Z as much. It was really all about millennials. And so here I was basically being like a interlocutor between older generations of like frankly very savvy, intelligent, and fashionable millennials who are like, I want to stay relevant, help me reach Gen Z. And I both was able to communicate it in a way that, you know, you know, millennials and above were able to understand. And it was, you know, underst- it was ingestible or, you know, they, they they were able to completely appreciate it. But at the same time, I could have my ear to the ground to like what was actually happening in real time in the world of Gen Z and kind of serving as this translator between um, these kind of important cohorts.
1: So we're discussing this from a consumer perspective, is it?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's interesting cuz Prism is both B2B but also B2C in the sense that our our clients and our services are companies, they're, you know, Fortune 100 companies like a American Express or a Sotheby's or these kind of large heritage institutions. Um so that's a huge part of it, but on the other hand, the B2C audience is you know, we have a consumer facing brand, we have Gen Zers that they're not, you know, the people that are part of our community, we also still need to create a brand and a feeling and an emotion of something that they want to be part of. And so we always, you know, we're not going to be just this like, you know, these people's people in suits, like, you know, walking around like consultants, we also have to feel like the audience that we're speaking on behalf of as well. And they have to kind of be attracted to us as they would any Gen Z brand.
1: What would you say is the biggest difference between Gen Z and the older generations?
0: Mm. Oh my God, where to begin? <laughs> um, literally, I think, you know what? Or what's the
1: thing that surprises you the most? Rather, I think that's a more mm-hmm. interesting question.
0: Um, you know, I think what's really interesting and it, it's probably in some ways intuitive is I think technology has so much, just because of the, if you think about the exponential curve of of innovation and how much things have changed since like, Literally, it's less than twenty years ago that we like had the first iPhone. And think about mm-hmm. how much has changed in those, you know, fifteen or so years. And so, if you were born even just five years of a difference, your savviness and intuition around these things is almost like light speeds ahead of just people half a generation above you. And so, I think for Gen Zers, our ability to filter through information, there's this like stat that like Gen Zers have an eight second attention span. It's yeah. not really true. Mm-hmm. What that really means is we only need eight seconds to filter if this is relevant for us or not. I see. Um, wow. So that's kind of just, I think, something versus millennials where it's, I think, 12 seconds. So it's, it comes down to seconds, but it makes a difference. And I think to answer your question of what most surprises me, I think the irony of all this is that being this digital first, technologically seeped generation, you would think that we only want to live our lives through this medium. And what you actually find is that Gen Zers really crave that human interaction. They crave that human touch. Mm -hmm. They really recognize to a degree the detriment that, you know, social media can sometimes have on people's lives and the loneliness that can actually come from being more digitally connected. And so how do you both speak to a generation where technology is a huge part of their lives but also recognize that they're craving more than that as well so
1: obviously you're studying this generation yeah. right so is this based on like data are yeah. you having what kinds of activities yes. are you having to study these results and because i assume when you're pitching to brands right they want to know all of these answers and sometimes it's hard to get them to buy into it right because they think it's a fad or it's a yeah. trend it's like how do you convince them
0: so i'll i think two really interesting parts to that question on the clients had to convince them about why it matters. I think you just look at the data. Gen Z is already 40% of all consumers. Right. We are the largest generation by population size mm-hmm. and we're only growing and we are going to account for, you know, almost half a trillion dollars in global spend every single year. So when you exple- express that to companies that this isn't like these teenagers with babysitting money but like we actually have the ability to influence you know trends and so on they listen and even if we're still growing into our purchasing power we're all at different stages we are setting the tone in terms of what's relevant and what's not like even in the last 6 months you see more and more content being taken from TikTok which is like a Gen Z led you know platform and then being repurposed for an Instagram in the same way that you know amazing content on Instagram five, 10 years ago was being repurposed on Facebook. Like you see the evolution of generations and who's really setting that trend. Um, So that's, I guess, one way it articulated Mm -hmm. on the client business side. But on the Gen Z side, we are constantly working with and communication with and and sourcing these kind of insights from our community, whether we're doing focus groups we held to this week with Gen Zers, um, where we're talking about fashion, their, you know, payment behaviors, you know, what brands they're shopping, how they're using technology, all of that. that. Right. We do surveys. We just launched a survey literally just a few hours ago um, for 25 plus global markets on everything about, you know, their shopping preferences. And so I think you both want to have that kind of internal pulse on what's happening. Like I think that's helpful but you also want to back it up with data as you said ig mm, right
2: well are there if we're because i'm so interested oh my in, god yeah let's yeah. get it let's
0: get in it <laughs> um
2: when it comes to uh, priorities yeah um, the things that gen z's yeah. really prioritize yeah. and care about um because it seems even in this current mm-hmm. time when you're looking at who's really stepping up when it yeah. comes to activism and absolutely people here are communicating the importance mm-hmm. of I think, like you said, uh, connectivity and um, health, mental health, emotional health. A lot of times, it seems like Gen Zers have uh, a lot of information. Is that something that they're prioritizing? Is it just because they understand how to access and read information quicker?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think all the above, like being a generation where information has been democratized and you've had the ability to have the full Force the internet at your fingertips, you have an expectation around accountability and transparency. And you're seeing, you know, this generation not wait for permission to start taking that information they can gather and using it um, to advance their priorities and their values. And I think one of the most inspiring things is seeing, you know, the youth-led activism efforts, like whether it's Greta Thunberg for, you know, the climate justice efforts or individuals you know across the country for black lives matter like in so many ways those were youth um individuals stepping up and saying this is the future that we are inheriting so we're not going to wait for older generations to fix them we're gonna you know also really lead that charge as well
1: on the business side of things since the pandemic has sort of affected everyone and and, i mean i wouldn't say that businesses are struggling but obviously everyone is taking uh, a down cut in a variety of things how has it affected your business 100% um
0: so I think I don't know if other people felt this way but there was this moment in March where like the bottom fell out and I was like looking around and I was just like what is this world future gonna look like we were planning in-person activations and a number of other things and as you can imagine you know if companies are you know cutting down costs. And potentially furloughing employees, like the first thing to go are external people, right. you know, like so that's a challenge a hundred percent. What was really interesting though, and just given kind of the area that we were were focusing in, I would say come around May and so on, you know, companies as budgets became unfrozen again were like, wait a second, if we are going to not just survive this period, but actually come out stronger. We need to invest in understanding this next gen audience because if we don't, they're the ones who are pioneering consumer behaviors online, on social. They're figuring out creative ways to stay connected and build communities. They don't need to go to, you know, this massive launch event, you know, in a warehouse for, you know, a product to go viral. Like that's true. And so I think what's interesting is that we actually saw a really strong pendulum swing backwards where we got so many inbound inquiries. They're like, wait a second, Gen Z is the future. We need to invest in them. This is a smart priority. And so it's been cool to help serve as a partner, a thought partner um, as companies navigate this. So that's one thing. And then I think, to be completely honest, it has been really hard. But I think one thing that's been really reassuring has been during that period when revenue was, you, I would say, basically neutral, we really looked inwards and started investing in ourselves rather than focusing on, you know, client projects. And that was in and of itself such a, a luxury because we could then focus on growing our community and really making sure that the community members really felt loved and appreciated. And um, during that period, especially as people have been, you know, displaced from college campuses and, you know, have lost internships and so on, we found a way to hopefully give Gen Zers a sense of connection and community through PRISM. We launched a PRISM virtual chat room where we're constantly messaging and sharing memes and, you know, hosting virtual events and so on. And so that in and of itself thats great has been a way to, you know, take this period of challenge and hopefully come up with a solution to help others in some ways. And so that's something I'm... I'm proud of even in the challenging um times that we're in.
2: Wow.
1: You're involved in a lot of projects, right? Yeah. And as someone as well who yeah. is involved in a lot of things and I like to do a lot, right? Yes. It's sort of hard to keep balance. Oh my God. Just when things are not going your way or you feel like there's there's no other way out, how do you find ways to cope?
0: Ooh. Um honestly, I feel like the whole wellness industry, like a hundred billion dollar wellness industry is based on this question of like what is what are productive outlets. Um, to, you know, decompress and to manage stress. I think, you know, I would be, would not be fully honest if I didn't say the past couple of months haven't been filled with moments of of intense stress. I think yeah. on both a macro level and on a personal level, we're dealing with, you know, a global pandemic. We're dealing with, you know, a very uncertain political future. Like, even if you're not having this, like, intense you know, emotional breakdown, all of these micro abrasions add up to trauma. Like when, when you walk through New York City and you see everyone wearing a mask or you see, you know, Times Square empty and all these things, like they still register for you and they still, you know, create, I don't know, like this sense of this is not, you know, normal times. And so in terms of how I cope with that kind of stress or deal with that anxiety, I think it's a number of things um, trying to, you know, focus on things I can control has been really powerful. So making, you know, a list of things that, you know, I can control, you know, how the how the administration's handling, you know, this period of, you know, of, of a health crisis. I can't control X, Y, Z, but I can focus on, you know— building relationships, building the business building the business as best as we can. Um, you know, staying in contact with friends as best as I can. Um so that's kind of one thing and then um there are like all these other tips and tricks that of I can share if that's helpful in terms of like just like little stress management. But yes, I think please. spiritually that's co- So sh- yeah, so yes. I think that like for me like you know finding ways to unwind so like watching like bad tv like i feel (laughs) like i got into like i got so into the rabbit hole of like the real housewives uh like franchise it's been Mm -hmm. we love that yeah it's like it's for (laughs) me it's like sports it's like literally like i have like the people i root for and like i fiercely defend them and i see how they perform on each episode and it's just like it's to me like my own form it's like a diversion Mm -hmm. i'm so happy to hear that i'm in the company of other uh real housewives uh Experts in stands. Um <laughs> So like silly things like that or, you know, as I mentioned, doing things that are very tactile yeah. with my hand. So whether mm. I'm, you know, baking or painting or writing handwritten notes, like those are things that don't remind me of of anxieties that I can't control.
2: Would you say that through this time going through the pandemic yeah. and uh, to where we are yeah. now that you've kind of found a new pace of life mm. or have you kind of been waiting for things that's an an
0: amazing question i'm like kind of laughing and looking at ig because i feel like our schedules used to be so frenetic and so fast-paced where like we like it would be like a normal week where like we would be like bopping about town and and going from one thing to the next and i'd be like eating a sweet green in like the back of like a taxi and like that just like to me was normal like and i think what's been fascinating is you know as someone who theoretically used to fill as much as I possibly could into my week. Um I I thought there would be like this almost withdrawal. You can't I can't really pronounce <laughs> that, but like withdrawal withdrawal um from that. And what I found was actually a rebalancing that like there was probably mm. a lot of noise I didn't need. Mm. And when when or if things go back to a quote unquote normal, like I think I'm gonna emerge from that period being like, do I need to, you know, run myself thin? you know, just for the sake of, like, you know, another thing? Like, how can I bring this period of mindfulness and slower pace into a much more permanent habit?
1: Wow. That's very interesting. interesting. I go back and forth with that, too, (laughs) just because I feel the same and I have the same thoughts. And it's sort of like, well, you could just pull back. And also, I'm not someone who really Mm -hmm. has FOMO. I think, you know, in reflecting upon what you just said, it's just sort of like, well... Sure, I'm cutting back on this thing, but every time I do it, I still have a good time and I get to meet people and there's still opportunity Mm -hmm. there, you know? Opportunity that other people would kill to have. So why not just embrace as much as I can? So there's that sort of guilt and back and forth, but I think it just goes alongside with life. Like you can just... I don't think you can ever really have it all. You just sort of have to pick and choose and take what comes with it. Couldn't agree more. I I think that's true. Mm -hmm. Curious about... It might be too early because this is your first company and you launched earlier this year and then the pandemic followed. But what would you say is the most important business lesson you've learned?
0: Mm. I think the most important thing I've learned is truly to, you know, surround yourself with people you trust. Um, I think that all the other things can work themselves out. But I think I feel very fortunate to have a co-founder that that. When you've endured a period as stressful and intense as this one, like you realize how important it is to be able to, you know, pick up the phone and be able to speak to someone and be fully transparent. That's the key, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, rec- if someone's trying to start a company and are going to do it with someone else, like I think the most important thing is to make sure you're on the same page from like a trust and loyalty perspective because. It's okay to disagree on creative direction and so on, but you need to have that strong foundation. Otherwise, you're only as strong as your people and building a team that also you know, is built upon that foundation. Otherwise,
1: it'll crumble. Outside of Prism, are there any other new projects you're working on?
0: <sighs> I'm really taking it one step at a time. I think Prism is something that's such a priority for me because it's so multifaceted that within Prism, it's like, we're working on this incredible launch event for this magazine. And it's like, that to me is like, would be just a whole project in and Mm -hmm. of itself. But we're launching, you know, the TikTok for American Ballet Theater. And it's like, that's been incredible because we're like getting millions of views. But it's like, if I was just running one TikTok, that would be enough. So it's basically within Mm -hmm. Prism, it's been this really multifaceted, exciting experience. Um, And then I would say the... Earlier in quarantine, what I would say was most impactful was hosting Zoomtopia and all the work with that because it came at a time when no one really knew how to throw a virtual event in a way that could actually generate money for charity. Mm-hmm. And I think we were just in a position where it's like, okay, like let's try it. like Let's go for it. like We can hopefully set uh, an important case study and a best example that others can replicate and I'm still getting calls from organizations being like, hey, like, can you offer like 15, 30 minutes of your time just to advise? And I'm more than happy to do it because these organizations need to need to find a way to raise money. It's their lifeblood. Mm And we're not going back to the world of galas anytime soon.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny that you mentioned philanthropy. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Marcus. I I thought you were going to say something. but. Um, you mentioned philanthropy and since I've known you I think that's something that you've aligned yourself with from the very beginning but before we go into that I how do you decide just as someone who has so many projects all the time who is worth taking on with all this work
0: yeah Um, I think honestly it comes down to probably like some sort of axis or like some sort of like I don't know measurement between is this something that's going to bring me joy Mm. is this something that's fulfilling um is this something that's going to help the world is this something that's going to bring revenue to the company is this something that's going to provide me experience and so i think across that whole matrix is how i would measure it and i probably need to get better at prioritizing because i'm such a believer in saying yes and then figuring out later how to make it happen because (laughs) i think we're all hungry for experience and and you know what we want to you know take on challenges and stretch ourselves, but uh you also don't want to you know um basically like perform any like you you yeah. you, you want to keep your standards high for your right. your output mm-hmm. as well and so um it's hard that's a really good question
2: yeah oh i you use your voice a lot um to talk yes. about the things that <laughs> are important to you um you uh, have a following um it seems like you have a family that has certain values how do you, and I think it's similar to yeah. IG's question, how do you find the balance of stepping into something that yeah. you actually feel passionate about, that mm. you should step into, yeah. and vetting out the voices that are saying that you should be saying something or doing something?
0: I mean, I think, first of all, I think that's, a, I, I really appreciate that question. I think it's really well in, well formed because I think we're all thinking about how can we use our platform or whatever reach we have to make a difference for the better and I'm not even talking about like having to have tens of thousands of followers or anything which I I don't but it's more like how can you as a neighbor speak to friends and family about to make sure that they're voting like can you send them a link so that they can track their ballot? Like, can you phone sign up to phone bank? Can you, you know, go and support, you know, a demonstration? It's like, I think we all have our own spheres of influence. And so how do you use that effectively? I think in the case of, I would say, a social media, like, I think one thing that I'm very consciously aware of as well is like, how can I both impart kind of my things I'm passionate about, but also recognize the immense privilege in which I'm coming from. Like how, Mm. who am I to lecture anyone um, or serve as an authority for a lived experience that I can't speak to? And so I think what I try to do as best as I can is to listen to and follow the lead of individuals who can speak with authority on things and not try and overstep my influence because, you know, I think step one of being like, a you know vocal advocate for something is also being like from what you know from what soapbox am i standing like you know what is the platform in which i'm coming from otherwise you you lose sight of what you're even of like what you're saying is just important as recognizing where it's coming from that's great
1: that was such an intelligent answer and i identify so much with everything you've had to say because i think that we should all look at things through Mm -hmm. that perspective um now i'm wondering with at least with me, right? I yeah. think that I'm very educated yeah. actually. And I have a lot of thoughts and opinions yeah. and a lot of things, but when certain things happen, yeah. you know, like the Swords movement happening yes. in Nigeria right now, or the black lives matter yes. movement, a lot of people want you to react yes. instantly. Right. And you know why I understand that sometimes it's perhaps yeah. not always the best thing to the point Mm-mm. that when you do react, it sort of feels performative. Yes. Do you feel those pressures and do you have those thoughts? Whereas, yeah, doing this might feel performative but i'm going to do it anyway because obviously it will make some impacts but i don't know if i'm ready to speak on this thing yet how do you deal with that
0: yeah you have to listen to your internal value system and if something feels artificial or performative then you need to re-articulate it or reconsider you know how to make it actually impactful and so perhaps making some sort of public you know declaration feels too performative so can you you know support by you know donating to an organization to canvas for a cause to get friends to sign a petition like not everything has to come with some sort of public you know acknowledge some sort of like public acclaim like it's okay to just do a good deed and not publicize it right um and i think the other thing i would say is like you know even just thinking about it from like a prison perspective. We have a number of members who are currently protesting, like NSARS. And, like, I just received an email where they shared basically their live account of what it was like to be on the protest to see, you know, individuals being harmed. And they shared, you know, photos and videos. And now it's like in this capacity of building a next gen you know platform where we're elevating next gen voices how can i and our team be in service of these voices that are you know could use this extra amplification and so that to me feels like it's 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 really just about helping a message reach more people um and doing it in a way that's intentional and also not through necessarily your own vantage point but truly about helping someone else's voice reach more um so i think that that to me feels like the truest form of some sort of like allyship or empathy
2: Oh, that's a great answer really great do you have um like a go-to person when you're trying to figure out what you should be stepping into oh is there one person that's kind of your accountability your mm. safe person
1: I
0: feel like there's so many for different contexts, Mm -hmm. like on like the much more superficial side. Like I have like my like home friends where I'll just be like, hi, I feel like I've stared at this photo too long. Like, do (laughs) I look weird? And like, I'll just text that group chat and she'll like thumbs it up or thumbs it down. So like there's that one person. Then there are like some friends who are doing, you know, much more committed activism work. And like, I can gut check with them to be like, hey, like, does this level up to some of the messaging that, activists um you know are are trying to amplify like i i think that you know you really want to defer to people who are are truly you know experts and are you know so much even more enmeshed in trying to advocate for change than necessarily you are and so i think moments like that you're able to kind of to sound check if this mm-hmm. is something that feels helpful or appropriate or not um and then yeah just like for different circumstances just really trying to find someone to help in it and advise
1: yeah what keeps you excited right now
0: Ooh. Huh. Hmm.
2: <laughs> lots of <laughs> lots
0: of sound gestures i feel like <laughs> asking anyone in like the year 2020 of like what they're excited about is hard right um you know i'm excited about a number of the projects prism is working on for the end of the year um, finding creative ways to continue to bring people together. Um, so I think that's keeping me somewhat, you know, uh, optimistic for the future. But I think we're probably all waiting with bated breath, um, you know, post-November 3rd um, and beyond and thinking about, you know, I think how can we as a country um, kind of continue, like, you know, evolve in, in both like health measures in the political landscape, um, across you know criminal justice, social justice, like I think there's so much work that's still to be done, um, and so I don't know if that's something that excites me, but it's something I know. That I think that's com- exciting to yeah. be yeah. that optimistic. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like I think that like there's so much potential to really, hopefully, be a source of Im- of improvement all of us for the things around us, and so that's um, that's something that hopefully is is a positive thing on the forecast
1: that was wonderful larry thank oh. you so much for joining us yeah, yeah thank you. A great conversation
0: absolutely no it was really nice speaking with you both and i feel like it is it's not easy to you know i know to run a publication at this time you know digital online offline right. all the things that you are both working on a podcast like I give you both so much credit for all of that. So. You oh, you're so too much. sweet. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Oh my God, yeah. of course. Yeah.
1: We see each other. It's like yes. a housewife's reference. Oh my God, yes. No, yeah. truly, we see each other. Even okay. when you were talking about how multifaceted your business yeah. is and even what with Official, yeah. what we've gotten to do, what we're going to do. It's yeah. like we're sort of just like taking all these new talents and finding ways yeah. to provide opportunities to other people outside of what like our goal is. 100%. So totally get it. And it's not easy. It's like wow. I'm, I feel like I'm mad like, Okay. 75% of the time, yeah. you know, it's just, yeah. it's a lot of work. And yes. I applaud anyone who is able to put through like half of what that oh even means. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. And it is something really special to have something that you're pouring your passion and heart into with people <sighs> who are going to yeah. one, keep you accountable, which is exactly so important during yeah. this time or some days you're just like, yeah, yeah. I don't know where to start. Yeah. And then having something where even if the final product mm-hmm could be better because we're always demanding excellence from ourselves Mm -hmm. uh you're able to put your talents and your vision into something and
0: people around you to support
1: that
2: yeah 100 percent i think
1: that's most important i think it's a luxury to work with people who you can just be 100 transparent with and they Mm -hmm. know that coming from a place of love and it's all honesty to try to make this situation better or more efficient for the next person
2: yeah i
0: i feel like it's, it's it's not an easy time but i think like moments like this where it's like you see friends of yours like really continuing forward and doing cool stuff like i'm I'm, that's why i was so excited to speak with you both today because i was like like this is this is something i'm looking forward to something i was looking forward to in 2020 (laughs)
2: oh thank Mm -hmm. you larry no of course thanks larry